Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name is Sabir Bhatti. I'm so fascinated by the subject of performance at work and have always found it difficult to buy the notion that employment is just a means for a pay packet. For me, a job is so much more than this. It has the capacity to make you feel great, but only if you are a top performer and don't settle for mediocrity in the workplace. In this podcast, I will try my best to uncover the skill sets and mindsets required to be a top performer at work through insightful conversations with guests from varying disciplines. In this episode, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with actress and vocal coach Margot Annette. She tutors at the Oxford University and the University of Bedfordshire, helping thousands of students overcome their difficulties with self-confidence through effective communication techniques and strategies. She was also my tutor at university and helped me tremendously with my own self-confidence. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Margot Annette. Margot, welcome. Thank you. How are you? I'm I'm all right. Good, good. I've actually been waiting a very long time for this. I didn't oh. let you know. I had this in my mind for a long time. <laughs> That's but, ominous. But as you know, we only discussed this a couple of weeks ago. Didn't yeah. We? And I always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to start some sort of kind of interview format where we'd interview people who mm. could give us advice on how to be a top performer at work. And right. I know with your work, you do a lot with confidence. Yeah. And in particular with acting and performing. Yes. What's been your experience in the last few years with students? Have they been, have they been quite approachable when it comes to confidence? Um... I think that's I think that's quite difficult because um, I think things have changed so much. No, I, I think they're they're confident in some areas and not in other. They're they're all much more self conscious yeah. than they used to be. They're very self conscious about the way they look, um, and they seem to um, want to. To conform in a strange sort of way, mm. well, so that they do seem to lack confidence in that way. That mm. they they need to seem to find that they want an identity, whether it's sexual or whatever it is, fashion or where they. I mean, I, it's a really curious thing, mm. um, which I don't think. Well, I can't remember ever happening before to this extent, and whether it's social media, I don't know. Mm. I mean they find it more difficult to communicate, which again makes it more difficult. So in a way they're more closed off mm. than they were before. I think that's true. That's, okay. Now as you know with my work, I'm I'm so fascinated by performance at work, mm. whether that be in a performance setting or a work office environment. And in my twelve years of employment I came across a lot of people who lacked confidence mm. and quite frankly didn't believe in their own ability. Mm. Um and I know we discussed this a yes. few weeks ago that sometimes the people you work with don't actually believe what they're capable of. No, that's absolutely true. I think, as I say, I think it's because they're trying to, because of the celebrity thing, which is a whole new thing, they have an idea, they're given a very false idea of what they should be like. Yeah. Because I think it's, I mean, you know, you could blame advertising, you can blame everything, but they have, they're all aware of models, whether that goes online, I don't know, but I suspect. And it's like YouTube, that they, they seem to be so split between what is happening in actuality and how they're appearing in this sort of artificial world. Mm. 
which is a pretend world, really, because to be honest, on YouTube, you can put, or not YouTube, you, um, whatever, all those things, Instagram, or all those things that they'd love, um, what is it, something, Snapchat. Snapchat. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they can um, produce and, 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 and make a whole new persona, but then when it's face-to-face, -face, they feel insecure, I think. Mm. I remember quite fondly when I came to university for the first time, and you may remember Long time. the first session you did with all of us, and I was actually quite frightened. When, oh, I, when I came to performance for the first time, this was my first exposure to media, media performance. I'd never done media at college, so this was really my first time. And I remember coming into the, the theatre at the time and 15, 20 students. I remember I was one of the last ones to come in, and my natural reaction was to sit on the end. Um, but I remember the first instance when, when you approached us, I think your first goal was just to make us comfortable before we even did anything, just to be at ease with the process. Do you find many people come into your environment nervous, as I did? Oh, I think so. There, and it and it, it um, manifests itself in different ways. Mm. Some people are very quite sort of defensive. And so yeah. they're right, you know, who am I? <laughs> right, this is where I am. And it takes ages for them to sort of calm down. And then the other people, as you say, are trying to sit at the back. And I won't yeah. let that happen. No, no. <laughs> and I must say, I suppose... I've been teaching for a long time. And when I first taught, started to teach, I was terrified. I remember the first time I taught to a lot of people was at Mount View. And I had to do this thing that was called a warm-up. And I was absolutely terrified. I mean, I was an actress, okay? Yeah. And I thought, I, and this woman had told me that I must go and teach them this. And this other people had said, you've got to do a warm-up. And I thought, what on earth is a warm-up? Yeah. So all I did, <laughs> I was so, I, I brought some pop music because <laughs> I thought okay I used to be a dancer so I thought okay one thing about dancing is it loosens you up yeah, so I yeah. played pop music and I made them dance for ages and then I made them do some games and everything but I was absolutely terrified and I thought right. well I'm terrified therefore they're they going to be terrified right exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, ever after that I always made a point of telling people, you know, as I got more used to it, I said, introduce myself and, and notice where they sat and made sure that they did mm. come forward. And I'm, I always try and eyeball people. I always try and learn their names. I mean, to be awful, it's a terrible thing, is not in your case, actually, but <laughs> usually I forget their names after they've left. Don't, yeah, yeah. I probably shouldn't say it's that. It's difficult. You've got 20 people yes, to remember. Yes, but yeah. what I do do, and I, make, I work mm -hmm. really hard at it is I try and learn their names as quickly as possible, possible sure. then they do terrible things like change their hair color and I'm absolutely <laughs> stuck yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but I do try because I think that is in tremendously important mm. to giving them it sounds silly um, but I remember once ages ago before I started teaching properly mm. a friend of mine was teaching at a place in a college at um in south Oh, I don't know, South London somewhere, anywhere, South Lambeth or something like that. I can't remember something. Anyway, I had no idea. And she said, right. would I go in? And I was an actress, so I said, okay, I'll do drama with them and everything else. And I did. I said, used to myself, this is that. I said, I really don't know what, you know, this is what I am. I'm not a teacher, but who are you? And they all introduced myself. And I called this boy, and he was called Junior. And I said, Junior, will you? And he said, you're the first teacher that has ever called me by oh, my, my name. name. Wow. And I thought, he, Junior, was mm. about 14, and I thought, that is a disgrace. I was so yeah, horrified. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting, even someone at his age, at 14, for him to be taken aback by that. 
I was horrified, absolutely yeah. horrified. But that was a long time it ago. It shows how powerful it is. Oh, Sabia, I remembered it so much, yeah. and I was so hurt on his mm -hmm. behalf. I thought, that is, that is terrible. I mean, it wasn't that big a class. I mean, you know, sometimes there was, I, know, I suppose, about 20, mm. but not more. Not more, sure. And I thought, no, you've got to learn people's names because it's their identity. It doesn't matter about their surname. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. I mean, the, yeah, it's, no, their, right. it's, their mate, yeah. it's the name that they're known as. It's Absolutely. their name, and they can lie and give me another name. I don't care, but it's the name they want to be known as. And it, it's their personality. Yeah, yeah. It's so important. Mm. So, yeah, I think that then it makes them feel as if they belong. Absolutely. Another thing I wanted to speak to you about was <clears throat> since I left university, Mm -hmm. There's one thing that you taught us that's always stuck with me, um, and that is the pronunciation of words. And whenever I'm speaking, because I remember, you may remember, when I started, I found it extremely difficult you to did. finish my words and yes, sentences. I know. And you used to advise me, look, you have to kind of cut that out mm. if, if you want to do this this um, this uh, media performance. Mm. And the one advice that you gave was when you finished saying something or a sentence or a word, keep your mouth open. Mm. I think most people are inclined to close their mouth mm. when they finish a sentence. That's true. Um, it's cutting other people off. Yeah, and it's difficult to always do that, I'll be honest. Really? Um, yeah. But sometimes I have to stop myself and say, no, keep your mouth open when you finish a sentence. Why is that important? Oh, for a number of reasons. I mean, Certainly. First of all, if you close your mouth, you're tightening. Yeah. So it's cutting. It's like that. It's bit, I have to think to do it. So it's like that. <laughs> um, and I've suddenly, it's as if I've shut down. Right. Um, and then, um, technically speaking, um, there is the sound goes on underneath. If you keep your mouth open, the sound that can travel to the right, other person. Right, right. That's why people don't always hear the end of people's sentences. Um, and if you notice the way that I speak, I have an upward inflection at the end of every line. And that is, um, it's theatre, yes. So that's intentional? Have you worked oh, on that? I've done it for or... so long, Sabia, that I can't remember not doing it. But yes, it is. I mean, okay. I must have been taught it. I mean, I didn't go to drama school as such. I was I was a dancer. I was, so I went to dance classes. Mm. Um, um but what I did do, I went into rep, and therefore I was taught by other actors, saying, "Darling, are you going to do it like that?" <laughs> and then, "Darling, what? What you <laughs> exactly?" So they taught me how to do it, and I guess they taught me. Okay. Um, and it's because it's playing. It's called playing the end of the line. But what it is is you're not only getting the sound going, but you're sending a message through that final word. Mm. And if you like, if you were acting, you would call it subtext. But in ordinary conversation, you're inviting a response. Okay. Whether it's um, going to be a reverbal response. So it helps the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Or right. it's just get, you're giving them what mm. you're saying. Whereas I think a lot of people, they speak with their mouth half open or yeah. half closed, like that. And they're not, it's as if they're holding back mm -hmm. themselves and not giving what they're saying to yeah, the other yeah, person. Yeah. Do you think that's linked with confidence? Because I certainly used to do that. I, rem I remember my parents when I was growing up used to have a go at me for, for doing that. Mm. I used to mumble my words quite yeah. often. It's that, do you think there's a link with confidence? Oh, definitely. It's because they, I mean, it's so difficult, Sabir, because the whole thing about speech is so 
Um, I mean, because I started off at drama school, not teaching acting, but teaching mm. voice. I don't know, because, oh, I don't know, it's a whole series of events, it's too boring to go into. <laughs> anyway, um, but so I had, I went and learned about voice, and it was really interesting, and just working with actors and non-actors over the years, the voice is such a personal thing, and in some cases, it's because of the very early age, I mean, you think about it, a baby can make the most almighty noise. It can scream and scream for hours and it doesn't lose its voice and sadly it doesn't stop. And, you know, as any mother will tell you, um, especially in the middle of the night. Now, then as the baby grows older, it's told, it learns that making a noise is bad. Right. Because the mother says, oh, no, yeah, 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 you can understand why it's a noise, <laughs> not good. Then you begin to learn to speak, and suddenly, and you're copying what the adults are saying, aren't you? Mm. Now, sometimes at home, you say something that you've heard your adults say, and they said, no, you mustn't say that, that's naughty. Mm-hmm. So that, oh dear, so now you learn that some words are all right and some words are not. And then you go to school, and this is the real killer, because not only you have you got teachers judging what you say, you've got your peers, and they're the cruelest of all, because right. they bring in all their judges, because they're all frightened, mm. they're judging you every time you open your mouth, and some things are okay to say, mm. and some things they teach you about. Sure. So, so speech suddenly becomes this absolutely terrifying territory. Mm because it's attached to judgment. And people are either going to tease you Mm. or dislike you Mm. or get angry with you. So it's not a free place. It's Mm. a very, very Mm. scary place. So they learn to tighten their voices. And that's why people have so many problems with speech. You you don't even know. I mean, we've all been through it. It's because the playground is one of the cruelest places in the world, I think. Mm. Really cruel. And um, it depends how whatever happens at home or whatever happens with your family or, or it can be outside or with a teacher. There's all these variables mm. depend on how you end up speaking when you're an adult. Sure. That's interesting. I, I think many of us, including myself, often underestimate the importance of correct communication. Mm. It's not just about, oh, let me say something to someone. It has to be effective. Yes. Right? And we communicate all the time regardless of which industry we go in. Um, mm whether performance students go into acting or not, they'll be in an environment where they have to interact. Absolutely. What kind of tips can you give to someone who's looking to improve their vocal ability without, say, any sort of training? Are there any exercises that they can do at home? Well, yes, I think there are quite a few. I mean, I think the the, the most it's again, it's going back to being a baby. Mm. Um, and it's... I think there's lots of work being done on it, but I do think the breath is important because I think if you just, the simplest thing and that anybody can do without doing, you know, worrying about doing exercises that are heavy or anything else, is just to breathe out before you speak. Because mm. most of the time, um, people are um, holding, holding their breath. And if you watch people, you'll be surprised how many people go to speak and they go, they tense up. And not only that, they're breathing in and they're speaking and I'm holding my breath as I speak now. Can you see what I'm doing? Of course. Struggling, yeah. (laughs) Do you see? And so many people speak on an intrusive breath rather than exhaling. Mm. And so letting the breath go is the one trick that is so easy. That's a good, that's a good tip. I like that. And you can, (laughs) and you can do that. And you can, I mean, that relaxes the shoulders. Yeah. And, and, and. Yeah, I think that's the number one tip mm. I'd give anybody because anybody can do it. Sure. 
And are, are there any signs, say you're in a conversation with someone in an office environment, are there any signs from the person you're speaking to that the way you're speaking is not right? The, oh, that's... Are there any telltale signs? That, that, that what I'm saying is wrong. Yeah, or the way the, the way you're delivering something isn't correct. Can you, can you tell by someone else's reaction ever? Um, was it something that's just... quite a hard one because yeah. I'm so used to communicating, if mm. you like. I mean, I just keep going till they do. <laughs> <laughs> so I just try something else. I mean, if somebody's not reacting right. You have to try I try. Else. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a thing like I suppose it's difficult because I've been doing it for such a long time. And, and, sure. and acting, when you go for an interview, you're dependent on mm. them liking you. Um, otherwise I'm not going to give you the job yeah, yeah. but I think there's a, there's a thing the Americans say which I think is probably becomes an instinct mm. which is mirroring so if somebody is sitting there like you should do the same then you do the same okay so that you then you make your language more correct and you say because they want to be formal therefore you say how would you do okay. I'm delighted to meet you and how nice of you to see me except but if somebody's sitting like, like that you think <laughs> okay this is okay so let's relax okay. and to a certain and I think as a performer the thing about performers and um, I've got a friend who says you know we're tarts really because we do we try and make people like us mm. yeah and we do so we I think we do it instinctively because we're trying to make that other person like us. Absolutely. Um, I think, no, I, as I say, in answer to your question, I think I just keep going to like whatever happens mm. and, until they do respond. Just believe in your delivery style. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. It's been working for you for many years. Yeah, just, yeah. I just changed my attitude. Mm. I mean, I remember thinking when I was teaching a long time ago with people, I mean, because I used to, when I first started teaching at the drama school, um, not at uni, but at the drama school, yeah. I used to have to do tutorials. Mm. People used to come, and to be honest with you, they're meant to be voice tutorials. What they're mostly about is, oh, I miss my, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or my boyfriend's horrible, or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. So you have to act as a counselor. Exactly. Well. And then we try and find out, what, you know, how it would help their acting and how my wife was getting in the way of their performance. So it became a sort of like, sort of vague therapy I suppose anyway I found that what I did find was because as I say sometimes people are defensive and sometimes you know it's difficult but everybody's got a key and you've just got to find the key right so it is you know because we're all human that you I think I think people get a lot of fear of other yeah I think there's a lot of fear of other human beings how they're going to see us crazy because I say we're all, I mean, the one thing one knows as being an actor is that when you look at a part, you take yourself and you think, okay, that's me. That, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we've all got, this, I mean, sadly, the yeah. bad things and the good things, they're in us all, aren't they, mm -hmm. to different degrees. You're right, and I guess in the acting world, you're always being judged, whether that be through an audition. Yeah. You're always being judged by someone else. Oh, um, always, of course you are. And I always find it fascinating how well-known actors, there's always stories you hear about suicide attempts, actors Hollywood actors and at first I just couldn't make sense of it why they're leading a successful life they're in this movie that mm. movie but then it made sense because I remember when I did the road performance at university mm. even though it was for two three weeks with the third year director yes that, yes I remember I remember coming out of that feeling very low really yeah yeah and I didn't share it with anyone at the time so I was very confused I thought why am I feeling like this yeah and then when I hear about these stories, it kind of makes sense because you immerse yourself in yeah. the person's character mm. and then in a click it's over yeah. and you have to kind of go back. And you feel lost. And I know I was only doing it for a few hours a day, but I, it felt like I was doing it all day and every mm. day. Mm. And when I came out of it, I thought, oh, what shall I do now? No, exactly. So 
it kind of makes sense. Oh, it's it, the, 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 that's trouble. You're absolutely right, and people don't realize that. I mm. think that the character takes you over. Absolutely. I mean, as a friend of mine, um, I he Joss Ackland, um, he was in a play once. It was quite a while ago now mm. because of the movies. But anyway, he was in this very successful play. Um, in at Hampstead Theatre Club, and it was he was playing this awful prison officer that was very violent and mm. sadistic, and the play was a great success, and they mm. wanted to move into the West End, and Joss said, "No, I can't. I can't live with this man any longer." Oh, really? Yeah, and it wow. was yeah, and I mm. I completely understand that because they do that because you are them, and mm. and 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 he couldn't just bear that because he couldn't get rid of him when he came home. It's horrible. Mm. So yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. They become so you feel bereft. You do. Yeah, and also because the other thing, which is really hard, is when you're in a film company or in a, in a company at all, it's very close, mm. and you get to know them so well. Um, and there, when they, when it all ends, then you've got to go back. And you leave them, mm. and you feel lost. It becomes a little family. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like losing a bit of your family. Absolutely, yeah. And it felt like that actually. Mm, it does. Yeah. There's a great closeness, mm. and and uh, I mean, I, I mean, people laugh at actors for saying "darling" and all that. Well, we <laughs> we do because it breaks down barriers, and because you've got to get close so quickly. But mm. they mean it. It's not false. People say, "Oh, it's lovey and this," but it's not. It's mm -hmm. actually you genuinely. Yes, you work with some people you don't like, but that's quite rare. Mostly. People get on very, very well, and because mm -hmm. they're each dependent upon each other. Absolutely, yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. you're only as good as the people that you're with. Really, mm -hmm. it's really hard if they're no good. True. Now, just a moment ago, you touched upon how we have to perhaps sometimes put on a persona when we're in front of people to try mm. and get the role or get the job yeah. or get the promotion, whatever it is. Um, how does one work on a persona, say, in a working environment, and is it very different to? their normal self when they're at home? I think you have to say to, because some people are very uptight about this, mm. and say, oh no, I can't do it, I'm not in that room. But actually, they are, because we all do it to a much lesser degree than acting, but we all do it. We're all, if you think about it, the way we talk to our parents is different from the way that we mm. talk to our friends. True. And if even within that, we talk to our each of our friends in a different way, because yeah. we they need different things from us. So mm. we are responding in a different way you know we, we're very contradictory as humans i think mm. people forget think oh this is what i am and no one is a lot of different things so it's just extending that thing that we do automatically i mean if you go you know if you want to get money from your bank manager mm. you're not going to talk to him like you talk to your mum, sure. are you because you won't get mm. very far um you know it, and so we we do do it so mm. i think if you as long as you point that out to them and you're saying look what you are doing it what we're doing is just extending this mm. um, the other thing i think is that so many people um are self-conscious that they're thinking about themselves so much. Whereas mm. I think the, the 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 trick is not is to is to think is get to try and get a response from the from other the other person. Because mm. mm. then, if, I mean, I, I I used to say to somebody who was going for an interview, I said, okay, it doesn't matter. But when you go to the interview, see if you can tell them the color of their eyes, mm. because that stops you. It's a silly thing, but if you look at the yeah, color yeah, of somebody's yeah. eyes, you you're actually looking. Them. You're actually looking at them, and you're looking to, in order to see. Because often we look at people and we don't see them. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that could be practice, say, if you're approaching a manager for a promotion. Yes, example, yes. Focus on their eyes. Yes. 
Just look at the colour of their eyes. And then, and the other thing I think, as I always say, that is to make them feel at home. Instead of yeah. bothering about you, yeah. make them feel at ease. Because if somebody makes you feel at ease, mm. you're more likely to like, want to please them mm. than if they're if you're nervous, I mean, we're all nervous in those things, right? Because, you know, you've got a lot, if it's you're asking for a rise, you've got a lot to lose. I mean, yeah. you know, like, um, but, and you want to get the rise. <laughs> but on the other hand, if you go in there as being nervous, so much of nervousness comes off as defensiveness mm. that it then puts their back up because they think, why is this person nervous mm -hmm. of me? What's going on here? Whereas if you're going in there, however nervous you are and however funny your tummy feels, um, and you're going in there looking at his eyes and trying to make him feel at ease, it's taking your brain away from worrying and thinking about the other mm -hmm. person. So it's you're playing tricks with yourself, really. Yeah, yeah. Now, you've worked with hundreds, thousands of students and yes, helping yes. them in their in their performance. Do you remember situations or a particular situation with one student who was so nervous before a performance that even you didn't know maybe what shall I do next? Did you come close to that situation? I where you had to kind of intervene and really say, look, this is what you need no, to do. No, I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think I I think I've always talked about nervous because when I was acting, mm. I used to get very nervous, and therefore it's something that um, sort of occupied my mind. And I realized there's two things that I talked to them about, but I usually preempt it before the actual day because I think that's a little <laughs> late. Um, yeah, yeah. So we usually talk about it early on because I usually say some people, you know, some people naturally, but, and it's it's absolutely true. I mean, some very famous actors get who've done endless performances get very very nervous and to be honest what is uh, from bitter experience to work without nerves is the most terrifying thing because two things can happen either the whole performance is completely like that because you've got no adrenaline yep. or the nerves come and get you halfway through in which case it's absolutely terrifying mm. so i said to them always face the nerves welcome them because they're part of the performance and that adrenaline you need because that adrenaline means that you are capable of noticing so many things at the same time that mm. you can act upon mm. but also it gives a bite to your performance and it makes you you know it's how you can get your emotions so quickly to respond mm. um and also the, the sort of thing if you look a bit at nerves the the, the symptoms for fear and excitement are the same yeah. What other symptoms? Well, the thing is, it's the unknown. It's facing the unknown, oh, okay. isn't yeah. it? Mm. Um, so you get the bubbles mm. up here. You know, your tummy's a bit of a turmoil. Um, you know, if you're, you're, if you're not careful, this is why you hold your breath, which I say why I'd let the breath go. And there's other physical tricks you can do. For example, I mean, I was taught, that, you know, which is absolute, and it sounds so silly, that if you've got space between your fingers... Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, lots of act. Yeah, it, it immediately so you do, calms you down. Is this something you do just, before just, performance? Just, yeah, yes. Just, just, oh. Because yeah. that's why. I mean, I've worked with so many actors. Say, I've got to put my hands in my pockets, and I say, No, you haven't, because I know what's happened inside their They're pockets. Are two little clenched. Okay, that's why they do it. So this, you can do this even before a performance. Yes, just open your hands. Just open your hands like this. Just no, by your side. Or by your side. Just, just make sure they're just not clenched together. Just relax like that. Just like that. Yeah. Interesting. And I guess you can use that in any yeah. situation where yeah, you're feeling absolutely. nervous. Right? Yeah, breathe out and get the space between your hands. Amazing. Because you want to do that. Yeah. Awesome. And and the terrible thing is that people think they need to do that. And they're just literally holding on, aren't they? Mm. If you let go. It's much you, easier. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and I have also noticed that uh, because I say it, it really interests me because I think that 
I mean, it's such an essential part of performance that I think it has, you can't escape it. There are very, very few actors that don't get nervous. Mm. I mean, there are a few, but very few. Um, and I compared notes because I've uh, got a couple of friends who are pianists and I compared mm. notes with them. And I, I reckon it's because acting and being a musician is an interpretive art, mm. not a creative art. It's not an initiated art. Sure. Therefore, you're taking somebody else's material mm. and you're performing it. Right. You're not creating mm -hmm. it as you sit there sort of thing. Therefore, it is quite scary because you know you have got something you've got to fulfill, that you're out of control. And I've talked to them and they've all said the same thing, which is what the experience I had, and you can only you know, compare notes, mm. is that when you, if you, you can't control it, what you've got to do is trust your subconscious. That's why you rehearse. Mm. That's why they, you know, they play the piano for hours or the clarinet. It's yeah. so that they're actually, it's their their subconscious is doing it, and their body is doing it, not their not their conscious not mind. Their conscious. So that when you're doing it, you are noticing ridiculous things like the person in the second row has got a you know, a bunny hat on, or, or most likely the props people have forgotten to put your prop there, and you're thinking, dear God, what am I going to do? The letter's not there. So you're, you're but you're not, but yeah, you're yeah, going yeah. through mm. the performance, and mm. it's all right, because your body knows what to do. Sure. You can, you're not, it's an absolute fallacy to think that you are thinking mm. um, what you're doing, because you're not, you mm. can't. I mean, as I say, the pianist said to me, if they think about the next note they're playing, they'll dry. And that's has happened to me once a long time ago. I was in the West End, which is unfortunate. Um, and I was in the middle of a conversation with the other actor on stage, and I suddenly was a, came aware, and mm. I didn't know where I was. And I'd come out of that dream thing, and he was wonderful. He looked at my eyes, and he realized he just gave me one word, and I went back in. But, okay. I mean, it was the scariest thing ever because I'd suddenly become conscious of what I was doing mm. in a funny mm. way. Okay. And so I think it's so the nerves actually are part of the whole caboodle. It's just a matter of how to deal with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. But they do enhance. Mm. Remember, they're giving you the ability to think very quickly, mm. and it is excitement, not necessarily fear. Fear. Okay. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope you benefited from Margot Annette's advice on how to be an effective and confident communicator. If you like the content and would like to hear similar conversations, feel free to subscribe and I will catch you again very soon. Take care.